Hello and welcome under the Kotatsu. I'm your host Austin, joined as always by Danny. Hello. And Danielle. Hey nerds. Uh, and we're back to finish up uh, Terror in Resonance. We're talking about episodes 6 through 11. Uh, but before we talk anime, uh, Danny, tell me what are you drinking on this fine Sunday afternoon? Oh, I'm having just a uh, energy drink, like a can of energy drink. Uh, Ghost ver- brand. Um, <laughs> sure. It, it tastes, yeah, whatever. They all, they're all the same. Uh, it tastes like... This one is Sour Patch Kids Red Berry, so it's like I'm literally drinking candy. Mm. But yeah, eh. it's not super sweet though, which is not, it's like a nice restrained sweetness, uh, which is rare for these things. It also tastes less like Sour Patch Kids and more like Swedish Fish, uh, which is a flavor that I fuck with. But which makes sense given that they also this brand also makes Swedish Fish Swedish Fish brand uh, or or flavored. Huh. Uh, so. Do you think that one tastes more like Sour Patch Kids? Maybe they just like fucked up the recipe. Um, yeah, they fucked up the labeling. Uh, <laughs> no I'm curious um, if there is a major taste difference because I imagine the only difference is like one's a little more sour than the other. So maybe the Swedish fish one would be like way more sweet because it's not tempered down by the the sour. But hmm. who knows? I just laugh at the name because like I feel like if it's not like Monster or whatever, I hear an energy drink brand name and I'm like, that's a new one to me. <laughs> I'll just. Well, and they, they always sound like the uh, like when someone needs to fake Google search in a movie, and it's like, mm. oh, what are you using? Search or or whatever. It's like, oh, what are you drinking? Ghost. Oh, it feels <laughs> fake. <laughs> yeah, uh, Danielle, what are you drinking? I'm just drinking a black coffee. I don't need an explanation on my off-brand energy <laughs> drink. <laughs> You're not drinking Swedish Fish uh, coffee. Shame on you. Did you? Mm-hmm. Did you see the, um, it was like a Tumblr post, I think, but I, I saw it on Twitter. Uh, it was describing, like, there was some king or something, and like, how he made coffee. Uh, the only king that makes coffee I know is uh, Andrew Waltfeld from uh, Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, this king, The only character do, I like. <laughs> he said, um, like, it was some historian writing about, like, or it, well, he wasn't a historian, he was talking about just, like, his his meetings with this king and um he would make instead of water he used champagne and then i thought you were gonna say a different word that began with sham (laughs) thank god (laughs) (laughs) and then to uh to add more flavor he would add powdered mustard to it (laughs) and the the guy who was writing it was like he did it with such i think he did it with such bravado like i can't believe that he actually thought it tasted good i think he was just trying to be boisterous or he might have just been very taste blind uh and yeah so oh my god that's (laughs) my bizarre fucking coffee uh fact of the day (laughs) god uh i would love to come on this show and say uh oh yeah i'm drinking my coffee that i made with champagne and powdered mustard Uh, uh i'm literally finishing the last sip of coffee uh because i've been up for hours now and have almost finished all my coffee and then after that i've got water because you got to stay hydrated gamers um all right uh so let's just get into it um we watched episodes six through eleven last six episodes of uh terror and resonance uh episode six is called ready or not um 
The police hold another joint meeting to discuss the subway bombing from the last episode. Uh, fortunately enough, there were no fatalities, uh, but there were 72 wounded from the explosion. Uh, as the meeting comes to a close, the police chief announces the American government, through the FBI, will now be assisting the Sphinx case. Uh, Nine has a nightmare about five, after uh, which he and Twelve discuss her re reappearance and the game she's playing with them, all while, Le all while Lisa continues to ask uh, if she can help them in any way, to which Nine says the best she can do is to stay out of their way since she lacks the resolve to do things like bombings uh, and the other stuff they've been doing. Uh, Shibazaki has a talk with the police chief about the FBI involvement. The chief informs him that the blonde man he saw in the office was Special Agent Clarence, uh, and that the unnamed woman with him, who we know is five, uh, is supposedly an investigator with the U.S. Uh, NEST, or Nuclear Emergency Support Team. Uh, five, pretending to be Sphinx, sends out a riddle via text uh, for nine and twelve to solve. The riddle, the riddle, riddle, the riddle <laughs> leads them to uh, Haneda Airport, where five and FBI have to uh, set up or where, the, where five and the FBI have set up a trap for them. Shibazaki and the other detectives are asked to stand down and let the Americans handle the situation, but they decide to defy orders and go anyway. Meanwhile, 12 convinces nine that it'd be helpful to have uh, Lisa go to the airport with them since uh, she's someone five wouldn't immediately recognize. Uh, arriving at the airport using a series of disguises, 9 and 12 stumble into the, the game 5 has prepared for them, which is a game of chess using the airport as uh, the chessboard where Five will reveal her moves to the boys via the uh, many screens throughout the airport. Um, Nine assumes uh, finishing the game will lead them to the location of the bomb Five has uh, set, um, and uh, they take off running to play along with the game. And that's the end of the episode. So yeah, I mean, kind of ties in with like this this episode of the next episode, but I think this whole like setup of um, Five pretending to be the Sphinx and kind of getting the, the cops and... <laughs> uh 12 and 9 playing along is is a cool setup for this kind of arc of the show yeah um not to spoil how i feel about the later parts of the show but uh the whole airport chess game thing was um personally what i think was the height of the show i think i agree i think uh well the next episode is like the peak for me yeah it definitely this one and the next one kind of harnesses the cat and mouse aspect but like a three-way cat and mouse game in a way that is very almost chaotic but in a very controlled chaos way where like there's just so much information being thrown at you because everyone's trying to do different things with different agendas but it, it, it really delineates why everyone's doing what they're doing kind of thing uh, <laughs> in a way that's not confusing i do have a note which i will read just because um i forgot i wrote this it's one of those notes i, I wrote uh thinking like let me reflect back on this when i finish the show <laughs> Um, but it's like at the beginning of the episode, there's a, there's a really good shot of um, five, like when she's singing uh, London Bridge is falling down and then she's like tapping her finger on her leg and the just the way they animate her finger tapping is really fucking good. Um, but the, the note I have is like, oh, love it when they introduce a sicko halfway through a show. Um, <laughs> and the words I have are this will either sink the show or be based as hell. Um, and um We'll, we'll circle back to that, but I do want to uh, uh, call attention to that because, um, yeah, five is definitely um, an interesting through line in these episodes, I'll say. Yes, uh, very. Uh, I love a lot. I, a lot of her lines I, I made notes of, like there's a point where she says, like, oh, I, I just need a loser to crush. And I thought of the, uh, the thing Pick where someone points to themselves. Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant the... I, uh... I'm not sure interesting is the word I'd, I'd use, but... Um... <laughs> 
I, I'm trying to uh, uh, try to say interesting in the most uh, value neutral way, or, or yeah. I'm trying to talk about her in the most value neutral way. I think I agree with you on. There's on a lot to talk to her. Talk about yes. her exactly. Um, speaking of that, like the oh look, I'm liking what this character is doing at this point in the show. I was like, you know what? I feel good. I feel like Lisa is like you know becoming sort of her own person here. I like it. Yeah. Also, do you think these episodes are the height of? Lisa's character arc. I think I agree with that. Yeah, they definitely they they go to the the well of we have to rescue Lisa a little much in the the later episodes, but um I like her relationship with 12, like the way it's kind of shaking out like the uh his whole thing of like oh I have synesthesia and your voice is yellow, very very rare, which made me think of like a gotcha game, like SSR 5 star Lisa yellow voice and like they they're kind of like his his push for nine to be like yeah let's let's get lisa in on this like she wants to be useful let's let's actually do it and i don't know i really like how their their whole thing shakes out as time goes on the whole synesthesia thing is a weird throwaway it doesn't really ever yeah it never comes back come back in <laughs> at all way. it's very strange you can't just be like i think your voice is very pretty <laughs> i don't know um, <laughs> um i i also have to uh do a self call out um you know uh you, you if if you can't critique yourself who can you critique there there's a, a shot at the beginning of this episode of uh it's nine taking a shower and he's got like a nasty back scar uh and again i will just i'll just read my note verbatim uh gotta remember that these are high school aged boys before i uncritically type ooh sexy back scar into my notes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had, a, I had a note saying, yeah, give me more uh, nine shower scenes. But yeah, I guess they are high schoolers. Womp womp. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's my kind of fan service. Give me, <laughs> give me beat up anime boys. Um, and I really, I liked his, uh, speaking of nine, and I guess Lisa to an extent, I really liked his, like, rationale for shutting down Lisa. It wasn't just like, oh, you're a useless girl. It's not like, oh, we're the super soldiers and you're not. It almost kind of came across as like a like this is not the life you want to live like there's no coming back from this once you become our serial bombing accomplice more more than you already have like by doing this you're going to put your name out there and like they're not going to let you go uh so it's almost like his way of caring uh you know obviously not in like a actually supportive way because he you know he definitely is serving his own agenda um but like it's his way of showing he cares maybe i don't know Read to me a bit more like, um, you know, him kind of being like, oh, well, you know, unless you can really commit to it, like, we don't want your help. Like, unless you're, like, willing to, like, you know, kill people and set bombs and stuff, then we don't want your help. Um, I, I, he definitely has this kind of um, arc throughout these episodes of, like, warming up to her and warming up to, like, the idea that, like, Nine is infatuated with her a bit, uh, which we'll get to in twelve. later episodes. Or Twelve, yeah. Twelve, 12 is infatuated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Speaking of nine, he there's a shot. I think it's like after he wakes up from his uh like fever dream, where his glasses are off and his hair's really unkempt, and he looks just straight up looks like a completely different person, <laughs> like in a, in a cool <laughs> way. But it's like when he doesn't have the glasses and when he hasn't like you know properly groomed his hair, he just like looks like a completely different boy. Uh, it was very good. I also loved their um the police stuff in this as always, uh especially because both the police and nine slash twelve are trying to like solve everything at the same time there's like a very nice kind of interplay going back and forth you know between 
you know, obviously the insinuation is that they're all having the same conversation, but just the way it's cut really kind of drives home that point of like, in- intellectually, they're on very equal footing, uh, with Shibazaki being the, the wonder child of, uh, or wonder old man of uh, the police crew. Um, and then, you know, we also see more with Hamura uh, in this episode and going forward of all of them uh, being very, very supportive in a way that made me care for all the police characters in a way that I don't normally do in anime for obvious, you know, real world reasons. Um, but I, I was the whole time like, yes, Shibazaki, yes, Hamura, you got this. I love you. I do think the framing of the whole the police we follow are very much the going against the authority type really yes. helps you to empathize with them. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's classic uh, uh, like detective movie shit where it's just like I'm mm-hmm. just a man trying to get things done and the fucking system won't allow me to do it kind of shit. You're a loose cannon. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, which uh, that's another thing I'll look back to when we get to final discussions but I, I dig that stuff a lot when it really leans in on the kind of genre expectations. Um, yeah. And I do love that scene where it's cutting back and forth between the the cops trying to solve five's riddle and nine to 12 solving it where you kind of get like one piece of information in one part of the scene and then you cut to the other side and you get the rest of it it's uh, like you said it's cool to kind of see them on equal footing and also cool to see nine and twelve like put in the effort to solve the kinds of puzzles that the the cops have been uh mostly solving up to this point yeah though uh because of the whole ah oh, there's an alternative reading to oedipus and the sphinx or or sphinxu or whatever uh, anytime they mention anything about the past, I'm like, wait, is that true? Like the, because um, the the hint is something about like Caesar going to Arabia, and someone asks like, did, oh, did Caesar really do that? And it's like, oh, he went to Egypt, and I'm like, wait, did he? Is that a thing? I don't even fucking know because they already threw me off with the 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 bullshit Oedipus reading that I don't know is real or not. Now I gotta remember where did Caesar go? Did he like was that Caesar going to Egypt? Was that Mark Anthony? Uh, in a way that it doesn't matter, but I was just like thrown off the, the entire time they were they were doing solving the riddle. I was like, I guess it doesn't matter because the important thing is they solve the riddle and they they get the Caesar cipher, which I think is a real thing. Yes, yes. It's just like okay, whatever, man. <laughs> um, do we want to use this point to talk about the uh, English in the show? <laughs> that's something oh for all the remaining episodes. Yeah, everybody except for Clarence uh, has like very bad english to the point where we talked about this in private like it's like it can be hard to understand what they're trying to communicate and like there's no english subtitles for those lines you just have to like (laughs) put it together well and especially you know i definitely had a problem with um uh five in this episode like they have a a bit uh you know of, of of five speaking in english but especially later on like in the final scene of the fucking show Mm-hmm. where they have in- very poorly spoken English with, like, really loud helicopter noises. It's completely over, like, a decipher. phone. Yeah. Absolutely. I had to look it up afterwards and be like, what the fuck were they saying? And it, it it's like, oh, like, we can't have, you know, the world know about America's uh, involvement in the incident. So, like, they're basically just saying, like, put down loose ties or loose ends. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely undecipherable. Uh to the point where I didn't even go back to listen to it again because I was like, I'm not going to get it. It's impossible. It's not as bad as Symphogear, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, Symphogear is like a work of art in terms of that stuff, though. It's, it's beautiful <laughs> how they butcher the English <laughs> language in that show. So I didn't have to do this for any other scene in this, um, in this batch except for that scene in the last one, which we'll just talk about now since it came up. Uh, 
I did go back and try to listen to it again. Still couldn't understand what the fuck they were saying. So what I did is I turned on the dub just for that scene. <laughs> because they have actual English voice actors reading those English oh. lines. Um, so it's much more like intelligible uh, in the dub. And yeah, it's, it's what you, you said um, that was on like Wikipedia uh, is, is pretty apt. Um, but it is just like it's already broken english and then you've got helicopter noises and all manner of other stuff going on and or it's not just that they're also like talking over radio so some of the lines yeah like so it's like static distorted and... feedback yeah yeah insane decision to do that yeah no uh yeah because i i get what they're doing like why the character is speaking english but uh you, you, you have to you have to do the work if you're going to have someone speaking English or any language. Like, it'd be like if they cast me to speak Japanese in a show. Like, I'm not going to do it well. Please hire someone who can or who can do both, you know, yeah. or just work with them to get them up to speed on like, or at the very least, don't have like a million layers of other shit going on that makes it really hard. Even if they're speaking in English, I think it'd be like, or like you had English VAs it'd be hard to understand what they were saying because there's just so much shit going on over top of it where I'm like, what? Huh? Who? Yeah, I guess they're just looking at, at it through the lens of, like, the Japanese audience where there's Japanese subtitles and they're like, eh, who cares about the vocal performance? The uh, intended audience will read it. Yeah, yeah. the real shame is that the English subtitles we were watching didn't have the English lines translated at all for any of the, the English in the show, mm -hmm. which is a shame. Uh, we talked last time about uh, how good all the keyboard animation is, which there's more of in this episode. Something we didn't talk about is how good the Foley work is for the typing sounds. Very good uh, laptop, uh, clacky, uh, fingers pressing keys sounds. Um, and and they're doing a lot with switches, like, uh, like getting the camera uh, motion and all that. So there's a lot of like whizzing noises just from like the moving the cameras really fast which you know isn't like it's just a nice little touch which i i enjoyed and yeah i love the setup of the whole chessboard and like the the music was killing it in this episode um you know both in that regard and also anytime they they have a flashback to um the scene where like nine and twelve are escaping from the facility they play for some reason it made me think of the Jimi hendrix rendition of the national anthem like very like I don't know. I don't, I don't know the musical terms for it. Distortion. Yeah, a lot of distortion, distortion. Of on the on a guitar riff and very very good. I liked it a lot. Yoko Kano can can never miss. Yeah, just my reservations at the show. I am kind of interested in finding the uh, soundtrack of the show because the music is that good. Oh yeah, I, they did I, release it apparently. I downloaded it the other uh, the other day uh, on on uh, Miss Kano's birthday. Happy belated birthday! Um, mm -hmm. It's very good. There's there's two soundtrack CDs. Would definitely recommend grabbing both uh, because like the the first OST is kind of like the main soundtrack, but a lot of my favorite tracks were on the second OST uh, CD. Um, yeah, the music's all really good. I have multiple notes throughout this batch and the last batch of episodes that are just like all caps. Like the music's so good, Yoko Kano's so based, or you know whatever. <laughs> but it's, it's all very very good <laughs> and um, i i didn't realize it until this episode uh and i feel you know goofy because the the visuals are very much in this regard the op is is like the perspective of 9 and 12 i think and then the ed is very much the perspective of lisa um like the op is very much about like being remembered in this world and like the just like causing destruction because that's 
like the only path available to you. And then the the ED is very much like uh, about meeting people who changed your life kind of thing. So I didn't make any examples of the exact lyrics, so I'm kind of going off memory. But and then also the visuals, like the OP is very much is is biased towards nine and twelve. Like Lisa's in it for a second, but then the ED visuals are entirely Lisa. I think mm-hmm. couple of standout mo- moments in this episode. Uh, I like the scene where the cops are all ordered to kind of stand down on this one. Um, and the way that like uh um uh Shibazaki like like everybody's kind of frozen in the room and like Shibazaki immediately just like stands up and walks out <laughs> and then everyone's like wait mm-hmm. where are you going we were told to st- stand down he's like oh I'm just going out to eat uh, <laughs> or whatever his lie is um it's good I yeah, love and then all all his friends meet him down there yeah the way that they all like like follow him down there like kind of in in waves is very good uh, mm. well and I, I love the. I guess it's in a later episode, episode eight, but uh, kind of we're, we're kind of talking about it now. Uh, eventually, Shibazaki gets his uh, badge taken away, and the other officers don't because Shibazaki, you know, takes responsibility and says it was his idea and all that. And um, that comes up several times throughout the uh, the rest of the series, where you know they'll ask, like, "Are you really police officers?" or or like they'll try to get into an area, and and Shibazaki will have Hamura flash his badge um or or he'll just take it at one point um but yeah no it's it's a very very detective e thing where it's like literally like you're a loose cannon give me your 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 gun and badge and then he just has someone else flash their badge for them which i love shibazaki going rogue but the power of friendship saves the day we're we're on a throat goat watch in this episode uh we do get a scene of of nine (laughs) uh uh, taking a big old bite out of it's not quite a hot dog it's 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 more like a uh i guess like just like a, a piece of bread filled with like i guess it's like a sandwich but it's kind of like in like the form of a hot dog i don't know what you would call that but uh it takes up it's a, like a, a chicago dog kind of like in the vein well, of a chicago dog but yeah like the bread is like a like a loaf yeah it takes a big old bite out of it uh so uh we've, we've got another throat goat on our hands along with uh takeshi <laughs> from igpx so keeping track of that that's that's on the scoreboard um I think the only thing I have to say about this episode is, uh, um, as as uh, now that there's like three of the quote unquote like numbered characters in the show, I was definitely getting flashbacks to watching Eden and just thinking about how like <laughs> that was a show that there were way too many Celisows, which were like the numbered mm-hmm. characters in that show, and I really appreciate the restraint to there just be three, and we later learned that like yep, all the other ones are dead, <laughs> not a possibility for them to show up in the last minute or whatever. Um, we're gonna have two more movies that make everything worse somehow yeah and, <laughs> and realize oh wait we we set up too many sell us out so we're just gonna like offhandedly mention that like one of them dies or like one of them like uh you know it just fucks off for forever <laughs> never shows up on screen um uh but i think that's all i got other than we'll get into the next episode but the uh the whole airport is a chessboard thing is goofy in a way that i like um Mm-hmm. It, it, it gets right up to the line of being like just too much uh but it's it's fun well and it's it's something that i think comes up uh like the these elaborate like traps and all that uh the fact that they're super elaborate and and goofy almost comes up in the the story where clarence is increasingly like uh hey we're supposed to be catching these guys like that's what you're doing here right like and it becomes increasingly clear that no, five does not give a single shit about that. She just wants to play your games, uh, and I really like that. The, the fact that like, oh hey, uh, setting up the entire airport as a bomb, 
you want to catch these people, right? And so they they kind of lean into the how how insane these like plots to catch uh, uh, nine and twelve are yeah. as as time goes on. But what's also good about it is like because it's the fucking U.S. government, right? Like they don't really care how much collateral damage there is, just as long as it doesn't like come to bite them in the ass at the end, right? So it's like they'll let her play her fucking game where she's gonna like you know bomb the airport or whatever, as long as like it gets blamed on uh the quote-unquote terrorists and, and doesn't like mm-hmm. get, get pinned on the government um it's only like kind of towards the end of things where he's like all right you're really like jerking my chain like you know um uh, uh you're clearly not serious about uh about like the the government's goal and all this um, but we'll, we'll get more into that later um do we have anything else about episode six no good uh good setup for episode seven i think it's yeah. the main main thrust of it all right uh well episode seven is called Deuce. Um, as 9 and 12 are off playing uh, 5's elaborate chess game, Shibazaki and the other detectives arrive at the airport and begin to see uh, 5's chess moves. Um, he begins to suspect that this attack is being headed by a Sphinx imposter uh, and that the chess moves are a message for the real Sphinx. 9 calls Lisa, who is uh, waiting around in the airport, getting her to cause a distraction uh, that allows 12 to hack the security cameras, putting them on a loop that gives 9 the time he needs to run to 5's location. Uh, he confronts her at gunpoint and her intention uh, in playing the game with them. She reveals that uh, she had noticed their quote-unquote new friend, Lisa, uh, who caused the distraction earlier. Uh, at the same time, Special Agent Clarence takes Lisa hostage. Uh, Nine's conversation with Lisa, or with uh, Five, I wrote that wrong in my notes, uh, with Five is cut short as the other FBI agents begin firing on him. And he runs off to join 12 at the location they think the bomb is at. Um, as he runs through the airport, Nine runs past Shibazaki, who puts together that he's one of the two Sphinx members as he watches him run off. Uh, at the supposed location of the bomb, Nine and 12 get a call from Lisa, uh, who has been locked into a plane set to autopilot, uh, which is the real location of the bomb. The location 9 and 12 are at is the ultimate destination of said bomb, one of the airport's gates. Uh, because the control tower is being heavily guarded, Nine suggests that they try to cause a commotion to get people to evacuate, uh, but Twelve wishes to save Lisa instead. Shibazaki receives a surprise call from Twelve, who tells him uh, where the bomb is and that it's not one of theirs. He asks Shibazaki to go to the control tower uh, to commandeer the autopilot system and steer the plane away from the gate, as Nine and Twelve help Lisa jump off the moving plane. Shibazaki and the other detectives force their way up through the control tower, uh, at the top, Shibazaki forces the operator at gunpoint to divert the plane. Uh, the plane explodes on the runway. Shibazaki looks out from the tower um, at the explosion. He catches 12 uh, down on the runway, who, wearing his Sphinx mask, signals a parting thank you uh, as they drive off. Uh, I think the, 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 I said this episode was the peak for me. The exact peak is the end of this episode, which when <laughs> they've diverted the plane and Shibazaki's looking out and then he sees a Sphinx mask wearing 12 and he just gives it like a two finger like, thanks, bro. <laughs> they go away mm-hmm. and Shibazaki's like, you know, like puppy dog, like pushing his face against the window, <laughs> like, like, let me out of here. Uh, it's good. It's very good. Like classic, just like, again, like genre tropes, like cat and mouse shit where you like, you know, the cat sees the mouse. Uh type stuff it's it's just it's good <laughs> like you can see uh lupin doing this to uh what's his name is any go to yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah because he, he can't get back down because on the way up like and again this is where it's like stretching the limits where the fbi is basically telling airport security like don't anyone don't let anyone up and shibazaki and his squad push past 
but then Shibazaki is the only one who actually makes it up all the way, uh, and then he can't get back down because the way back is blocked by the same people that he had to push past to get through. And that's where it it really pushes the the bounds of like goofiness, where it's like, okay, Five and Clarence are up to some no good. So like maybe their team is willing to do this like weird game, but it's like again. Five is the only one who's like trying to be toyful, like or playful about this. You would think that when she says, "Okay, we spotted the targets. Let's just wait and see what happens," that someone else on the FBI would be like, "Um, no, maybe we should catch them." <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. We have to have an airport bomb go off. I know you could just shoot these guys and or <laughs> you know capture them and and you know find out where the atomic bomb is but let's just see what happens let's figure this out let's let's also talk about how clarence decides to just uh kidnap a high school girl and strap her to a bomb Mm -hmm. yeah and that's not the point where he's like yeah it's not the point where he goes five you're taking this too far he's just like ah that's fine (laughs) it's wild i love it uh and and i love uh uh lisa's you know, baby's first airport terrorism. Because all she does is light, like, a flare in the bathroom to set off uh, the smoke detector or fire alarm Yeah, to cause a commotion. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Uh, uh, which, which also leads to... Because the whole time, you know, Five is, like, very in control of everything. Like, everything's going according to plan. And that's, like, the moment where... Because she doesn't know that Lisa exists up until that point. And you can, like, genuinely see, like, the con- look of concern on her face when it happens. And that's something that also happens later where um, Nine is, like, trying to think about what to do about the bomb. And they have a close-up on his- on him, like, biting his lips. And I just love, like, the way that they, in a reasonably small manner, really show the how these, like, cool and collected characters uh, react to stress when they when they are suddenly out of control. And I, I just love that, like, the way they do it. They don't have him go like, oh, what are we going to do? I'm so confused. Blah, 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 blah. It's just a little close-up on, on him biting his lip, and that's enough to know, oh, shit, he, this is maximum overdrive moment for him. Well, there's, there's two moments like that in this episode. There's the one with Clarence, and then earlier, um, it's, like, even more subtle, but Five does the same thing where she bites her lip. Um, mm-hmm. I, have, I have two notes. One when Five does it and says, you know, like, oh, nice, like, extremely subtle lip-biting animation. She is, all caps, pissed. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, when, uh, uh, when Clarence did it, I have a note that says, uh, this episode dedicated to all the lip-biters out there. Um, not, not, is it Clarence or? I know Nine does it. I have a screenshot of uh, Clarence, I think. Oh, so it happens three times then. Three, three lip-biting people in this. Yeah. It's hard to tell. The screenshot I have, it's like only the the lower jaw kind of I guess it could be either um but yeah again the the animation and the production of the show is really good um in like like in later episodes and like really like bombastic ways or even in this episode like the explosion at the end is is really well done um but then lots of subtle things too of like the lip biting and and things like that or just like okay so i have three uh three time three separate times of my notes where i in all caps just wrote out let's fucking go um the first one or two of them are in this episode <laughs> and one is when uh um shibazaki uh uh calls or nine calls uh shibazaki on the phone and then um uh, the other one is uh you know the end when <laughs> he looks out at him but like uh the animation of like you know like the facial animation on shibazaki's face when he like gets the call and he's like talking with them or like even like um the moment when he passes nine in the terminal you know it's all like you know 
it's all drawn in a way that like they don't need to have like the classic like anime inner, inner monologue of like oh my god that's one of the sphinxes like you just you could just read his face very clearly um, mm-hmm. or like another good moment of that is like when the two boys realize the the bombs on the plane and nine is like let's evacuate and 12 is like but what about lisa and they basically have an entire conversation but only just by like reading each other's faces where we get like like a shot reverse shot back to uh uh nine where like you could just read each other's faces where where 12 is like but please i want to save her and like nine is like "Mm, are you sure and then like cut back to 12 it's like yeah i'm sure and then they just go for it like no words are exchanged but you get Mm -hmm. like the entire moment there is like completely readable with how the the faces are drawn and animated yeah and here's here's a question um i did not take take or keep track of it but it just felt correct was the bomb timer synced to real time do you think I didn't pay enough attention to know one way or the other, honestly. Because it starts at 15 minutes, and I should have checked, but it, it checked in with the bomb timer en- enough that I was like, that feels close to correct, where yeah. it's not like, oh, clearly, you know, it says 15 minutes, but the amount of stuff they do is not nearly doable in 15 minutes or whatever. It felt on par with, which I love. I love when, when something's like a, a movie or a show says, oh, we only have X number of minutes to do this, and, like, it it keeps track of that and, like, really, you know, makes you think, like, in the headspace of, oh, this really is happening in real time. So it happened, to me at least, like, in a enough time that I was like, oh, man, like, they're really cutting it close, and, and they did it, yay! And, and, you know, made me invested in Shibazaki fighting the police to get to the top of the tower, and then the absolutely wild, uh, like, we're, like, Lisa comes out of a cockpit hatch and like made a uh, a rope around her waist out of something I don't remember parachutes or something I don't remember um and yeah it's just, it's just it's crazy and then the the bomb blows up outside of the airport on the plane but yeah God, I love this episode this is the first time I had a note saying that I was having I was having as much fun as I was having when I was watching ping pong which completely different shows completely different everything and I would definitely say that ping pong's better, uh, but I definitely had that much fun when I was watching this episode. Yeah, this one was a lot of fun. It um, uh, another all caps note for me. Uh, it reminded me uh of like a hitman mission. You know, <laughs> both like the location, the way that nine and twelve are like swapping outfits um throughout uh the end of the last episode and part of this episode, the way they're like dodging security cameras by like I think like. 12 has a scene where he like ducks behind like somebody moving like a cart of boxes <laughs> to avoid one mm-hmm. um and then like lisa's like flare distraction or whatever um it just all felt very um reminiscent of the the stuff that's in the recent hitman games very uh like video gamey uh in its mm-hmm. logic uh, which just makes it fun um trying to think if i got anything else it's, it's just probably the best episode of the show um i completely agree yeah i think it's like far and away the best episode yeah, and I'll get into that later. I know it was like very quiet during this one because I'm mostly agreeing with y'all. Like all the setup and the uh, characters playing off each other work really well here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it really is like plot driven. I mean, we do get char- like small little character developments in like the way that Twelve is insisting on saving Lisa and like Shibazaki and his team going against the police. But everything is like very. It's driving the plot more than anything. They're not like having little character moments like where they stop the plot everything's in service of it so it's it's very hit the ground running go 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 and then there's the final p 
peace sign that uh uh nine makes to shibazaki and it's just like oh thank you i've you've made the the best episode you could amazing i also think it's like um sort of like a counterpoint to some of the earlier episodes because this is the first like episodes our first set of episodes that i remember like really being like a two-parter mm. which mm-hmm. gives it a bit of a different feel yeah 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 they it definitely also, have a lot of the build up in in the last episode it also puts um nine and twelve in the kind of situation that shibazaki and the cops have been in in the previous episodes which is a nice kind of reversal it's also like the first indication that shibazaki gets of like hey maybe like sphinx aren't really like the bad guys are like not you know maybe there's more going on to what they're doing than just like them trying to like blow shit up and mess with the cops um which is good and like a good through line going forward um all right uh i was gonna say this after the last episode uh or episode six uh i was gonna (laughs) pull more voice actors uh to uh shout out i guess uh but literally i got through all the ones that are like meaningful last time so uh <laughs> every, everybody else that voice acts in the show does a good job but like they're not really in a, a ton of other stuff so it wasn't worth uh, mentioning uh, but i was gonna do that they, right. they do a good job in japanese english hard to say <laughs> <laughs> yes um all right uh well episode eight is called my fair lady um and at this point i uh switch to the wikipedia <laughs> plot summaries just for reference i was gonna do it for all of them but i was like i want to write the one for the airport episodes because um, they're good uh but it just it just saved time and actually the wikipedia ones are pretty good um uh the media broadcast uh that the foiled airport attack or yes the media broadcasts that the foiled airport attack is the work of sphinx the officers who accompanied Shibazaki to Haneda Airport are temporarily suspended by their boss while Shibazaki is given a permanent suspension. Shibazaki learned, uh, or learns from his daughter Haruka, a physics student, that a person could construct an atomic bomb from plutonium. Meanwhile, Five tracks down Lisa at the Sphinx hideout and sends a bomb, but Lisa escapes before it detonates. Nine, Twelve, and Lisa flee to an abandoned video arcade where Nine states that Lisa is a liability. Shibazaki continues his investigation, and uh, while at the National Archives of Japan, he discovers that a decade ago, the Rising Peace Academy implemented an operation called the Athena Project. Uh, He visits uh, Ichiro Fujiwaka, a politician who was involved and threatens to expose his son's illegal activities. Fujiwaka reveals that orphan children were gathered and tested, and the gifted ones with savant syndrome were selected for the Athena Project. Uh, suspended officer uh, Homura joins Shibazaki and they continue their investigation. Feeling guilty, Lisa leaves 9 and 12 only to be captured by Five's FBI allies. Uh, later, 12 receives a threatening text from Five uh, revealing that Lisa has been taken hostage. Rejecting Nine's pleas to focus on their mission, 12 sets off to rescue Lisa. Um, that's, that's not entirely correct. The, um, the savant syndrome thing. I thought they said that they were trying to make like an artificial savant syndrome am i misremembering i don't it's think that's all, like sci-fi or... bullshit anyways <laughs> i don't i don't think yeah, that's revealed at this yeah. point though i think i think all he learns in this episode though is that they were gathering children that had savant syndrome oh okay because the experiments that he learns that they're doing on them in a later episode is to like kind of artificially recreate the conditions for it so that we can make ubermensch i guess it's all very <laughs> fascist uh uh, you just yeah. type shit especially with the framing i'm not sure if it's in the next episode that it's 
doing this to like repair the national image of Japan post World War II, it gets it pretty explicitly fascist. Yeah, that's mm. definitely in there in an episode or two. Um, I think this this is the kind of stuff that doesn't work as well for me, and I kind of knew it was gonna get there because like you know we we already talked about like other shows um, about you know gifted children caught up in some sort of government experiment or conspiracy like they all lead this way like of course like the three <laughs> of them having like numbered names and all the flashbacks to them as kids in like a facility like yeah this was the the natural end point of it i don't think it's like super interesting but it doesn't really take away from what i am enjoying about the show uh, but i think it's definitely one of the the weaker aspects that just don't really get a lot out of it um other than i guess it makes the villains quote-unquote uh villains uh like cartoonishly evil because they're doing like the most literal like fascist eugenics stuff imaginable oh yeah 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 no it uh though i guess i don't know what else they would do for something where it's like oh we have these two you know baby boy terrorists like i don't know what other route they go to other than oh yeah they're being bred as super soldiers i mean i guess you don't have to make it super eugenics-y um but i don't know it's it it's one of those things where I guess like they have to bring it up somewhere, and I guess now they figured fuck it, well let's just let's just do it. But yeah, it doesn't it's not as interesting as everything else. Though a lot of good Shibazaki energy in this, where he's like meeting up with his daughter and and asking him about asking her about the investigation, which I'm like no, just have a good day with your daughter. You don't have to. But yeah, I, he has I love big that dad energy. He he can't visit his family without there being some pretense for it. Uh involving the investigation his daughter's just like is this about an investigation it's like no i'm just i'm just curious if someone could make an atomic bomb if they <laughs> had access to raw plutonium well um, he she, she asked him like what are you thinking about and he's like oh i'm just thinking about how this barley tea is weak mm-hmm. it's like yeah dad we get i i guess we mentioned it about the last episode the last episode was probably the peak or the last two were probably the peak for lisa as a character we once again get her like not knowing how to cook in this one, she literally, uh, she's making curry and she literally puts like Pocky into it. I'm like, mm-hmm. and at that point, it's like this joke is yeah bad no matter where it is. But God, is it overplayed in the show already? Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you thought like, uh, oh, she gets to like you know be involved with the uh kind of the operation in the last episode, like now's her time to shine like no she she like really that's the most she gets to do in the show and then just doesn't have much to do at all for the rest of it um which kind of sucks um and mm-hmm. her kind of going back to the clumsy uh you know haha i don't know how to cook kind of routine that the show's already put her through before um is kind of indicative that that's the way it's gonna go um i mean even at the end of this episode, it's, oh, she's damsel in distress again. And it's like, we literally just did that last episode. <laughs> Can you stop? Yeah. Yeah, she really gets done dirty uh, by the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like the bomb scene. Like, the uh, like she gets delivered a package and, like, she opens up the note and it just says bomb. And then it cuts to her running out of the building. Or it cuts to 9 and 12 talking and she runs out of the building and it blows up. But yeah, no, the the greater context of... Oh, I like this character. What else does she get to do? And the the anime just kind of starts, you know, side eyeing you. Like, you want her to do something? You don't want her I'll, to just get caught. <laughs> I'll talk about this more in episode um ten. But the show does women dirty. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing, yes. right? It's like you could you could have the like damsel in distress character like 
you could have like the big part of her character just be like she's infatuated with these cute terrorist boys um but you should probably have some other women in the show that like have a bit more like conviction and like more to do um that just be like an object for the men um and it's it just kind of sucks that there's like two women in the show and neither of them are um treated very well uh in terms of like you know being fulfilling characters or whatever um but obviously the star of the show is Shibazaki. Uh, like you said, good moments in this episode. Uh, he's uh, um, looking through the records with, um, oh, you know his name really well, Danny. The, um, uh, Mukasa. Mukasa. Mukasa's like got a, a, a box of donuts or whatever. And he's like, <laughs> initially like, he's like, oh, do you, oh, do you want one? He's like, no, I, I don't need your donut or whatever. <laughs> By the end of the scene, he's like, so about that donut, huh? And he, he does the thing where he like <laughs> he turns around and like side eyes him, and he's got the most fucking like puppy dog doll eyes ever. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, but can I have that donut?" I'm just like, "Oh, you're so cute." Yeah, he's, he's, he says, "Save me a palm de ring, which is like an apple donut." It's like, yeah. oh, so cute. I also love him interrogating the politician. Um, and he does the classic Columbo thing about like, oh, so how's your son doing? Before he shows him the pictures of uh, his son, like either buying or selling drugs. I can't remember. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. classic Columbo. One more thing. Oh, how's your family doing? Type stuff. It's good. Yeah. And Mukasa is, is shown in this also being very knowledgeable. Like um, at one point uh, in that scene with the donuts, uh, Mukasa says something up. Like he's trying to figure out the politician or like where the politician would be. I, I don't remember the exact specifics, but. He says, like, oh, do you remember this case? And Mukasa's like, oh, yeah, that's like a battery case that this politician's son got, to, uh, the, the case got thrown out because of the politician's influence. It was like a battery case or something like that, which, again, shows like that he's, you know, he's, he's a goofy dude, but, he, you know, he's knowledgeable at his job. Uh, of course, he gets bribed with ramen later because Hamura shows up uh, after the politician scene and uh, uh, Shibazaki's like, how'd you find me? And he's like, well, a certain someone uh, told me over ramen. And it's like, ah. Good old Mukasa. Love that guy. Um, I, I think Hammer got a lot of interesting character development in this. Like, just like his, like, he, you know, when he first is introduced, he's like the hothead who doesn't like uh, Shibazaki and, you know, it's like, oh, you know, he's just here to cause trouble or whatever. And by now he's like not afraid to get fired from his job. He's like, oh, it's fine. My parents own a produce market. If, if worse comes to it, I'll just work there kind of thing um, in a way that I like their chemistry as well. Yeah, I like that they kind of get to be uh, like partners for the rest of the the series at this point. Oh, there's a, there's a good moment with them in the in the next episode. Um, did anybody? Okay, <laughs> we've talked about Call of Duty Modern Warfare before <laughs> in relation to the show. Did anybody else think of Chernobyl when they saw the black and white shot of the Ferris wheel? When they talk about like uh, what whatever they call it, the the compound or the. Uh, Oh yeah, <laughs> the fucking fifty thousand people. Yes, still here. yeah. <laughs> I, I literally like. Is that Chernobyl? Um, but I guess oh, it's I, it's in my notes somewhere. There's like a name for whatever they called the facility that they did the experiments on the the orphans. Um, but I was just like, is this supposed to be like somewhere remote like that? But I think it's it's just in Japan. So it's very strange. Yeah, uh, I did also like um, in this. You know, we, we touched on this last episode where um shibazaki recognizes that technology is used to connect people more than you know drive them apart kind of thing or or isolate them uh in this he's talking to hamura over ramen i think and uh you know hamura is like ah man we've got to catch these terrorists fuck these guys or whatever and shibazaki's like well i don't know when when we were younger or no i think they're talking about like people seeing spink suit as like a cool thing 
and Hamura's all worked up about it, and and Shibazaki's just like, well, when we were younger, we probably would have been on their side too. And it's like, yeah, good good job. You're recognizing that old people suck. Like, yeah. good job. Well, again, it's like a weird connection to Eden of the East, right? Where he's talking about like like student rebellion in like the '60s. And he's like, hey, when we were, like, out there throwing, like, literally throwing rocks at, like, riot cops, like, they weren't calling us terrorists, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of, I guess, like, gesturing towards, like, the nature to which, like, that kind of um, uh, protest or violence uh, is characterized much differently in the, in the contemporary time of the show versus, like, you know, 40 years ago or whatever. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, um, <laughs> we've talked about the bad English uh, when... Um, it didn't. It did sound like this to me the, the other episode, but when um five is singing "London Bridge is Falling Down" when she starts singing it this episode, I thought she she thinks um uh, "London Fridge is Falling Down." I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice take on the the song, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 really bad. <laughs> like, you know, I'm I'm all for you know multilingual characters, uh, but I don't know. Just you need to have a you need to have something that it's like at least put subtitles or something come on man um i think the only other thing i have to say about this one is um you know i think the effects animation for the explosions especially the one at the the airport is really good but there's also some really good effects animation of like the rain hitting 12's bicycle helmet um uh when he's like storming off at the end of this episode again it's just like the little things in the show that really stand out to me in terms of its uh like production value uh, that continues to be good even in these last uh batch of episodes yeah I, I like the um scene with uh five and lisa where five is just going like full mask off horrible piece of shit kind of thing it's like the first time that like it feels like she's being really per- like she's obviously being personal in her like her you know revenge thing or like ga- the games with uh nine and twelve but it's like the first time that she's just like being malicious and like mean towards someone you know i feel bad that it's towards lisa because i i like lisa or i don't like her as a character because she's treated as an object but like i want her to I, I wish the best for her and it's like five just being a piece of shit to her um so that whole scene was very good at contextualizing five as like a, a antagonist uh because she's just a bad person you know whereas nine and twelve are doing terrorism but they're they're generally not mean they just do a little terrorism on the side and you know that's a true whatever yeah gotta treat yourself all right we got anything else about uh my fair lady <laughs> checks notes <laughs> um my fair lady oh my god is that really the name of the episode mm-hmm. uh... yeah i'll no, take that's that a... as a note yeah no <laughs> <laughs> so the title speaks for itself um all right episode nine it's called highs and lows um while 12 goes to rescue lisa nine leaves uh to retrieve the plutonium meanwhile shibazaki and hamura uh visit shota aoki the former welfare minister to question him about the athena project surprisingly aoki tells him or tells them everything about it its connection to the members of the rising peace academy uh the experiments on the gifted children within the settlement uh, and using drugs to artificially produce savant syndrome. Aoki says that five was the only child to have survived. However, two other children, nine and 12, managed to escape. He tells Shibazaki that the mastermind behind the project was Dr. Shunzo uh, Mamiyu, uh, the politician uh, who was behind Shibazaki's demotion. While nine uh, constructs the final bomb, 12 reaches uh, the amusement park and finds Lisa handcuffed on a Ferris wheel. Her body is laced with several bombs, uh, and a timer activates when the ride begins to move. 
12 comforts her and begins disarming the bombs one by one, although they both realize uh, that he cannot defuse them all in time. 12 refuses to leave Lisa and reluctantly tells 5 the location of the plutonium in exchange for stopping the timer. 5 cuts the power to the Ferris wheel, trapping uh, 12 and Lisa mid-air. 5 reveals that she knows they stole a prototype atomic bomb rather than plutonium. The Metropolitan Police Department raid the school where 9 has just retrieved the bomb. 5 orders um, him captured before she suddenly collapses. Uh, and that's the end. Um, I guess I'll, I'll say, we're talking about uh, Hamura kind of getting more to do in these episodes. I really like the moment in this where they're interviewing the uh, old man, former welfare minister, and um, uh, the guy's basically like, hey, I'll like tell you what you want to know, but just so you know, this is going to put like a target on your back if you really want that. And I think like Shibazaki's basically like, Hamura, you should get out of here. Like, let me let me take this uh, for you or whatever. And like, you get the good shot of Hamura like taking the tape recorder out and like shaking or whatever and putting it down on the table. And he's, he's kind of committed to it at this point, which is a nice change of pace. He's like a total hothead at the beginning of the show. And then to see him kind of align more with like um, Shibazaki's kind of ethics um, is a cool moment, even if he's like <laughs> insanely nervous about it, like rattling that tape recorder. <laughs> Which I, 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 the fact that they show uh, Shibazaki's family and like that they clearly care for him and, and like they have like a loving relationship, if sometimes strained because of work, it feels very weird to contextualize like, it, like the fact that Shibazaki's like, yeah, it puts a target on my back, whatever. I don't know. It's just like, man, you have a family. Come on, man. It's okay. You can, you can step down from the ledge. But I also really love in that scene, um, the, uh, Aoki guy, the, the, welfare minister he like if you look at his eyes they're like very dull and flat like very monotone like he's very much dead like and i think he even says at one point like yes i'm 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 not even human because of like the the shit that i was involved with kind of thing um you know compared to every every other character who you know their eyes are drawn very detailed and all that so you get this blank faced you know mind broken man kind of thing which i really liked that it's like man the the horrible shit that he did took a toll on his humanity to the point where he's basically a walking corpse, which comes back later with a, a character who is almost literally like a corpse-like, um, but that's because he's an old bastard who is, is a stinky doo-doo. Glad you mentioned that because um, I put this in my notes for the last several episodes, but this is kind of where it really stands out is there's lots of really good close-up kind of depth of field shots on um, characters' faces. Um, where they're kind of mm-hmm. in, in partial focus, um, and you get some really good eyeline shots of um, Shibazaki and um, Aoki, uh, which I, I literally put in my notes, and yeah, you can see exactly what you're talking about, where like, and even like the eyelids, right, like Aoki's eyelids are kind of like half covering his, um, his pupil, um, he's just mm-hmm. kind of all glazed over as he says all this. And it's also a really good shot because you can see very subtly in the reflection of his glasses, Shibazaki's face, um, like that kind of rough outline of it. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they cut to Shibazaki's uh, eyes and they're way more expressive and vibrant um, uh, and much more like focused and driven, which it's again, it's like, you know, like say whatever. Well, I mean, it varies, right? Because like the writing staff is different, but like you know, say what you will about the story and a lot of um, Watanabe's works. But it has like a really good attention to detail in terms of like visual storytelling. Like in the case of Cowboy Bebop, maybe that's not always in service of like, you know, interesting episodes or interesting plots. Um, I think it's in better service in a show like this, but um it's just like that attention to detail really um pays off, if you ask me. I think I think if this was maybe not by anybody else, but a lot of other anime directors, if they had like picked up 
like this the series um i don't think i would have liked the show as much because i think so much of it comes out in the visual storytelling um Mm -hmm. i think there's a way to take the same words that are on the paper but animate it in a way that i'm just like much less into the show um than i am Um, so i'm thankful for that i guess yeah i i'll definitely loop back around to this when we get to uh overall thoughts about the show i have similar feelings um but i'd like to maybe talk about the other part of the show the whole disarming the bomb on the ferris wheel thing yeah, go for really, it. the only thing that was going through my head at this point was, wow, is the music carrying the this entire scene? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was pretty done with Lisa being a damsel in distress. <laughs> see, I'm, and I'm so torn. This is, where, this is where the show lost me. Because mm. like, yeah. this is what, third to last episode, I realized I'm, I wasn't going to, going to get what I wanted out of the show. Like, the character arcs probably weren't going to resolve in a way that I found satisfying, so I mentally checked out a bit at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn because I I like 12 and Lisa's chemistry so far, like a lot of the stuff in the earlier episodes where, you know, he's goofing off and, and all that. It's the, the, My biggest hang-up is the fact that Lisa is, once again, being used as, like, the, the damsel in distress. It's like, I like their chemistry, and, like, I like the, the whole... You know, twelve has spent his entire life essentially with uh, nine as his only friend, and you know this is finally someone else who is outside of that kind of sphere, and you know it. Uh, he's finally able to like find someone else to to put to have in his life, but and the music is is really really good, but uh, yeah, no, it's all kind of tainted by the fact that this is the third time, third, fourth time, whatever that Lisa is the one that needs rescuing, and it's just kind of like okay, like, come on, man, <laughs> like, do, do something else with this, or, I don't know. If if they had re- if they had retooled Lisa to actually have more going on with her, I, w- I might be more charitable to this. Because it is, like, an emotional climax, and it's like, oh, like, there's a lot of stuff I liked going on, but then it's just kind of weighed down by the greater context in the show. Music is, the music would be incredible in a, uh, in a scene that I was already more into. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, I, did I guess love is the, the best way to put it. Yeah, big, big Sigur Ross energy. Um, it's and it's kind of funny. Like I had a note saying uh, that I really liked Five as an antagonist, but that comes with a sticky note of I just like what she does in the plot in terms of like being like the the uh, a worthy cat to add into the cat versus mouse equation. It just sucks that everything else that they do with her is like kind of stinky poo poo. You know the whole her whole resolution at the at the very end. I was like, oh no, <laughs> like I didn't like that. Um, but it, it's it's it sucks that it just if it this is like the the time that it kind of falls back on the tropes in a way that I don't like. You know, with Shibazaki, I like when they fall back on the detective going rogue, give me your badge kind of tropes. But then here it's like, oh man, all the girls in this series are either like objects to be saved or have their entire existence defined by a man it's like damn hate to see it really yeah that's also just the fact that she has like zero agency in this entire episode and there's not even like Mm -hmm. a she gets to like kind of bark back at five like um maybe it's towards the end of the last episode um but like you know when like she's in five's like hotel room or whatever like five is like saying all these like presumptive things about her relationship and with um 
12 and 9 and like you know like is posturing as if she's got lisa all figured out and lisa doesn't even like once go like that's not true like i feel this Mm -hmm. way or i like any sort of declarative statement about herself she just takes it and like stammers like she does like any other scene she's in the fact that like by the end of this episode she's or by the end of the series she's basically like had no meaningful character growth is like extremely disappointing um again given that like there are literally only two women in the show um it's you know like the the stuff with like the uh savant syndrome experiment child stuff doesn't work for me at all but i think it's Mm -hmm. like you know closer to neutral than just bad this is like actively bad it's easily the worst part of the show is um uh lisa and and also five but but mostly lisa just because like i was you know like my note specifically about the scene is that yes the music's really good i think it's incredibly well paced for what it is like it's a Mm well-constructed scene but what it's in service of is just emblematic of the worst parts of the show so yeah you know again like if the music wasn't as good or if it wasn't uh the scene wasn't as well done i probably would have been having just a miserable time I wouldn't say I was having a good time, but it definitely kind of like, you know, staved off, like feeling completely bad about it because like the scene should have had everything going for it. Like it's built up to really well. It's just like, you know, you do it with a character that's basically just like, uh, you know, like literally an object for the show to do whatever it needs to, to, uh, you know, characterize the men in the story is, uh, yeah gross. Um, as we've said, yeah. Um, it's just disappointing. I feel like, you know, like you said, like, you know, it's it's leaning into tropes, but it's not leaning into, like, the same kind of detective fiction tropes that the rest of the show is leaning into. It's just leaning into, like, standard shitty anime tropes, and <laughs> no one wants that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, because I'm all for, you know, 12 getting character growth by, like, realizing there's another person that he can let into his life. Uh, but it should work both ways. Like, and they set it up at the beginning of, like, Lisa kind of struggling with the idea of living. You know, she had an abusive mother. You know, she... Uh, God, does that get kind dropped of... by this point in the show? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, which is why you just said, oh, there's two female characters. Like, well, they're technically three, <laughs> but only for a little bit. Um, but the... So there's, like, like you said, like, there's stuff that they could have had, especially in the last episode. Sorry, one second. My cat feeder is going off. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that they, they, they could have kind of touched back on especially in the last episode where it's like you know lisa could have had a whole moment of saying like no like you know i i wanted to to die and they made me realize that you know i I, there is another way out and i could have you know the the you know blah 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 blah, and there's you know maybe that would be a nice parallel to the you know nine and twelve being like oh we have to do this last thing before we die Mm mm-hmm Yep. And instead they just say, no, Lisa needs to be saved again uh, by the by the two hunky boys who I made a note of this. Uh, the whole super soldier plot, very reminiscent of Halo. <laughs> I'm also like this comes after episode seven where it's like Lisa starts to do things on her own. She chooses to help them mm-hmm. with their plans. And then that gets brushed aside so she can get rescued by the, the pretty boy. Yeah, <sighs> and then just stand around the rest of the series. Spoilers. Yeah, this show is making me into more of a misandrist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. In this most God, frustrating, it really feels the thing that it comes to my mind is like this. Really feels similar to like 
King how Kingdom Hearts treats women. Mm. Oh God. Sure. Oh. Yeah, that's somehow worse though. I I feel like I I disliked the the treatment of women in Kingdom Hearts more because it's every like there are multiple female characters and they all are like this. But um yeah, and it sucks because it's a lot. There's it's so easy could have so been they something done different. With Lisa, yeah, that yeah, absolutely. Been interesting. Yeah, it's like she could have. You know, maybe we have like a parallel between her and nine and twelve. I thought that would have been like really interesting because that doesn't really the show that I don't feel like the show was going for parallels with uh, Shibazaki and the the boys. So maybe use Lisa for that. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, the impression yeah. I got early on in the show was that Lisa was gonna like very quickly join up with them and then like slowly become more involved with what they do you know like maybe like you know you get an episode where like okay here's a small thing you can do to help us out and then by the end of the show she's like one of the gang um but it just never gets there the most she gets to do is in that last episode and again even like that far into the show you think like all right here's her time to like actually have things to do and then it's like nope this is literally the only thing that she'll get to help with in terms of their their big terrorist plans uh, it's just a shame it's a huge missed opportunity yeah in in a way that it's not just oh man i wish they had done this differently because there i mean there are definitely any any media where i'm like oh man i wish they had gone in this direction like that could have been interesting but like this is in such a way that's like actively detracting from enjoyment of the show like you know in in a vacuum i think i made a note saying like oh it's like an emotional climax for both lisa and 12 and it it technically is i guess because lisa has like her line of like no 12 it's okay you don't need to stay here and defuse the bombs like go on without me whatever so there's like some emotional bearing there but the problem is the show's takeaway or or the show's it, it in a vacuum i liked it a lot but then nothing is in a vacuum and it's like man this character her arc sucks because <laughs> everything is related to a boy this this anime fails the bechdel test oh yeah i mean <laughs> very poorly <laughs> There's literally only one scene where two women talk to each other because there's only two women in the show. They only meet <laughs> once. Well, I mean, I think uh, Lisa's mom was like, you're not going to run, uh, run away like your father. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's two conversations. The other one also fails. Uh, incredible. Uh, you know what does pass the Bechtel test? Uh, Seed Destiny. <laughs> passed it in oh. like, episode 12 or something, which I don't think Seed passed the Bechtel test at all. I don't think two women even talk to each other in that show. <laughs> um, 50 episodes long Jesus anyway don't get me started um, yeah I think this was probably the low point for me maybe parts of episode 11 we'll get to um, but yeah the, the stuff with Lisa really took me out of this one there are things I like though uh, we talked about some of them already uh, I do like the development that it's not just raw plutonium they stole it's actually a fully functioning atomic bomb I think that's a really cool twist it doesn't really go anywhere interesting beyond that, but it is a cool twist of like, oh yeah, the Japanese government was like secretly building an atomic bomb the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a throwaway line in uh, one of the upcoming episodes where I think it's the special agent Clarence is like, oh yeah, they like ratified their constitution or something to change some wording that makes it like technically allowable to them for them to <laughs> develop nuclear arms or something like that. Uh, I just think it's like... Oh yeah good politicking i guess for them to be like oh yeah we're technically allowed to do this now but no one knows we're doing it well and they had they had started development before the change so their biggest concern was not like oh hide the fact that this is possible but just 
date everything forward such yeah. that it's it's allowable it's like okay that's great because uh, uh, you know i'm sure that happens all the fucking time yeah with po- like post hoc uh justification um, it's also a good like recontextualization of like what characters know what of like you know shibazaki and all the police like were also unaware that it was an atomic bomb the whole time seems like the only people that knew were um the u.s government and uh or at least in terms of characters, it's like the characters from the FBI and uh, the boys that actually stole the bomb. Um, I think that's neat. And then um, I do like that they just hit it in the school. I think that's really good payoff for... This has kind of been bothering me up to this point of like, why did we have... Other than for them to meet Lisa, I guess, but why did they even bother like pretending to attend that school for like a week or whatever? <laughs> and I guess it's so that they could just... uh, Bomb the tower? I guess that that's true, but it, it seems so in inconsequential in like hindsight of like mm-hmm. they never returned to the school and this is them doing that it's like oh mm. sure you put you put a fucking atomic bomb in a random school locker uh, who hasn't been there really and then another uh uh thing that made me think of the hitman games is uh the way nine is like dodging the uh mm, mm-hmm. agents um in the school as they're like coming after him is very reminiscent of uh like very video gamey in that same way that the airport stuff was. Um, I thought all that, all that was fun, but that's like literally like the end of the episode. So like the beginning with Shibazaki and the retired welfare officer guy and uh, the ending are good. <laughs> the middle is suspect. Which I meant to mention, I, I really like a line in that, uh, in the ministry dis- uh, conversation with uh, Shibazaki. Uh, Aoki is trying to use like the, we were just following orders line. And Chibazaki immediately cuts through the bullshit and is like, yeah, I'm sure the concentration camp guards thought the same. And it's like, hey, like, yeah, good job not beating around the bush. Like, you're just saying, like, no, don't try to weasel out of this, you little piece of shit. And Hamura the entire time is is fucking fuming uh, because, you know, he's very casually talking about experimenting on children and all of them dying or, you know, or I guess all of them dying, I was going to say, or going mentally, uh, you know, having a mental breakdown. But in the end, all of them die. Um, and it's like, you know, Hammer is like, uh, what the fuck is wrong with you, you fucking monsters? And Aoki's like, well, you know, it wasn't my decision. We were all just following orders. And, and Shibazaki's like, oh, yeah, I know someone else who said that. So very, very The good entire episode. Metropolitan Tokyo Police Force. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, we got anything else about, uh, again, checks notes, uh, highs and lows, not to be confused with Kurosawa's high and low. Uh, much better movie than this episode was i i liked that uh at the beginning of the episode they're talking about like shibazaki's calling one of his teammates uh who was also suspended who's like part of the cyber crimes division and is talking about like hacking into the the ministry of welfare like database or something like that and they have a little scene where you know he's like looking in on his family who's like he's like a pregnant wife and a child and He's like, you can tell he's like very much like, I don't know that I want to be involved with this anymore because, you know, I have so much to lose, uh, but he still does. Uh, so it's not kind of like a nice little scene of, of showing that, that, yeah, like it's hard to, to, to go against the powers that be, because especially if you have a lot to lose. So, but you still do it anyway, because it's the right thing to do. Just like all police officers do the right thing to do. <laughs> this will be my last episode of the podcast. <laughs> oh God. No, ACAB. Yeah. Shibazaki just needs to. Uh, become a vigil- vigilante uh, or private eye you can be private, private eye, eye. <laughs> Columbo um, <laughs> very cool alright uh, episode 10 is called Helter Skelter uh, 
Nine turns himself into the police, but refuses to speak to anybody but Shibazaki. He demands a press conference at a specific location and time, or he will activate the atomic bomb prototype. Uh, Shibazaki visits uh, Shunzo Mamiya, who confessed, uh, confesses that he created the Athena Project as part of a plan to revitalize Japanese national morale following the nation's defeat at the end of World War II. Five is hospitalized due to her deteriorating, uh, deteriorating health as a consequence of the Athena Project experiments. She learns of Nine's surrender and desperately drives off to reach him. Five accomplices, uh, or five's accomplices pursue the police convoy carrying Nine to the press conference uh, through Shuto Expressway. Only, that's a weirdly specific thing to put in this month's description, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, only to find that the truck is a decoy. Enraged and desperate, Five pursues Nine herself. Twelve catches them on his motorbike and stops the truck carrying Nine, but Five causes him to crash. Uh, FBI agent Clarence attempts to stop her, but she kills him. Five confesses to Nine that she always wanted to beat him, but never could. Knowing that she is dying, Five gives him a brief kiss before committing suicide by detonating the spilled gasoline <laughs> from her car. <laughs> the, t- Was that uh, uh, the Japanese airwaves are then hijacked by a pre-recorded message from Nine, stating that the countdown for the atomic bomb's detonation has begun, uh, declaring that this is the final message from Sphinx. Nine unmasks himself and bids the people of Japan farewell. Um, before we get too far into the stuff that's not so good about this, I just want to say I popped all the way off when Nine uh, turns himself in. Again, classic, just like genre tropes. <laughs> it's so good. Mm-hmm. And the way it's like you see yeah. him from behind first, he just walks straight up to the counter and it's like, I'd like to turn myself in. Um, it's, and then he, she's like, who are you? And he puts on the Sphinx mask and everybody in the room just stops. It's all really good. And that's a, that's a, there's a lot I liked about this episode. The the five shit at the very end fuck, you know fucks me up. But um I I loved that I got to watch the Dark Knight. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, the chase scene was cool. Yeah, it's really well animated. Yeah. It it literally was like the the Dark Knight Joker scene. I had to look up like which one came first. I I'm 99 if I remember correctly this one came after. But yeah, no like it, it to the T. The only difference is that like the the transports a uh a decoy um but yeah no i i really like this episode except for <laughs> the very end really fucks it up but um the whole uh turning in scene and then the the very end where he does like the final farewell i really like that scene very big uh like i don't know like the plans coming together vibes big persona 5 vibes <gasps> no not for me no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I liked. Not gonna comment. I liked. I liked that scene too. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I guess. <laughs> I guess we should talk about it. Wait, one more thing I liked. One more thing I liked before we get into it. I liked. Yeah. I liked uh, Shibazaki sending Hammer off to buy cigarettes, and he just fucks off. I love that. Yes, that was good too. He, like specifically asked for like Hamura... some brand that like no shop mm-hmm. has. Yeah, he's like, I went to eight shops already. <laughs> it's like. I love it, and then I think in the next episode they reveal that he he got he got the no in this episode he actually did it. I'm getting the cigarettes. Yeah, good for him. All right, so who 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 wants to go first with the five stuff? Yeah, I'll go. I'll I'll do it. Damn, does this show fucking hate women? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, what the fuck were they thinking with five to be like? Ah, yes, yeah, she's doing all these like fucking plans just to be like, I always wanted to beat you. I love you. Now I'm gonna kill myself. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, the closest Fuck thing right off. 
I could think of was like, and this is a very charitable reading, uh, is like an old boy where at the end the 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 guy's like, aha, I got my master revenge plan, and then he shoots himself. Uh, except in this, they ha- of course they have to have them kiss, which that's fucking like you didn't have to do that. And the fact that she's defined like she, one of the two main female characters. Define also defines herself by the concept of beating a man, uh, which they don't. They they have some rumblings of this earlier, uh, where in the for the airport scene where it's like, oh, you know, she wants to play games with us again. She wants to play chess like we used to back in the day. But they don't really set up the fact that they're rivals. The only thing kind of close to that is the fact that nine and twelve escape, whereas five does not. But they don't really like set up that nine that she always wanted to surpass nine i feel like if you want to have that angle show it you know have a little more flashback scenes to them growing up or something um but yeah don't have them kiss don't have her just shoot the shoot the ground and blow up um uh, what a weird fuck it or bad not just weird it's like yeah very bad decisions were made here yeah and like none of the as you're saying, none of the motivation makes any sense here. It's not set up very well by the preceding nine episodes. Um, and like, to me, she like the entire time she just reads as like, this is what would have happened to like, uh, nine and 12 had they not escaped. Right. Like they would have like, well, I guess they either would have died like the 24 other children or they would have, um, you know, like gotten folded into some like, you know, government organization and like, uh, you know, essentially, like, um, uh, not brainwashed, right, but, like, propagandized into, like, being an arm of, you know, some sort of, you know, mm-hmm. government's, um, uh, like, covert ops, right, the same, the same way five, or five is, um, and so for her to just suddenly be like, oh, I had all these, like, you know, ulterior motives to working with the U.S. government the whole time, and, like, it just, it doesn't, I, I think that's, it's ultimately less interesting than if it was just, like, no, I'm just, in, like, you know, part of, like, the state you know i'm just a, an actor yeah. for the the u.s government and i'm just taking advantage of it to be a sicko like that works totally fine as like a you know fairly like one-dimensional two-dimensional type of character she doesn't need this like oh i always wanted to beat you and also i'm secretly in love with you oh i'm dying never mind gonna kill myself in the most dramatic way possible it's just <laughs> and it's like all that happens in like a minute or less like Mm -hmm. you get like the you know her admitting she always wanted to beat him her kissing him and then her backing up and (laughs) shooting her gun into the gasoline and blowing the car up like in like not enough time to react to all of it it's just like what are we doing yeah no and like i guess she realizes that his plan is always is already going to go off because you know he's hidden the the bomb away or whatever but like if you want to retool this let's say you you want to have her be a sicko who just wants to like catch nine they could have they already set this up they could have said i never forgave you for abandoning me at the facility or something like that they had that plot line earlier and instead it's i always wanted to beat you why who yeah. who are you yeah <sighs> it's almost like they you know um oh god um there's some like showrunner or something i'm thinking of maybe it's uh maybe it's dave for for clone wars um but there's like 
you know, like this idea that like a lot of times writers will have like way more backstory for their characters written out than what actually makes it up into the show. And so like mm. writers will think of their characters as more interesting as they actually are because they know more about them than they actually like put in the thing they made. And it feels like there's like an entire subplot missing with five where like she's the one that was like really into the experiment. So like really took it all seriously. And that's why she's like got to be the best and got to beat. 9 and 12 who were just like you know always better than everything that hurt but like none of that is in the show and I want to be clear like yeah. I don't think that'd be interesting but it's like there's just clearly something missing for any of what's going on with her character to make like any sense like it's just it just comes out of nowhere and it's like it, it's it's bad um, well I want to uh, quickly uh, make a quick note um, and uh, uh, you know th there's some layers to this but I'm going to be kind of reductive here uh, looking at the writers for the show, um, episodes 1, 2, and 3 were written by Shoten uh, Yano. Episode 5 was done by Jun Kumagai. Uh, uh, so was 7. Um, episodes 4, 6, 9, and 11 were done by Hiroshi Seko, uh, whereas 8 and 10 were written by Kenta Ihara. Oh, wow. So the, <laughs> the, the two opposite of bangers um are are written by the same person and obviously there there are a lot of you know cooks in the kitchen for these kinds of thing and and you know whatever maybe someone else had the greater plot line and this person was just writing specifically for these episodes whatever i don't know i don't care uh but it's very interesting that the the two big bad ones are uh are, are done by the same person but whatever yeah definitely definitely a way to read too far into that but that's definitely a funny coincidence that <laughs> those two episodes yeah. are by the same person um yeah uh it's bad um but the rest of the episode's pretty good um yeah uh, and that's a shame it's a shame that you know there there's a lot to like in this that from the beginning where you know he turns himself in and all of the like still we're still trying to figure out his motives and and what's what is the final ball in play because we don't necessarily see where the atomic bomb is so we don't know like is he going to be stopped before it goes off and all this other stuff uh and then they just poop the bed with five who had potential as a character i mean i think everyone like lisa had potential as a character and they kind of squander it by the end um it's, just, it's a shame especially because five shoots clarence and that's a that was a good moment it's like hey good job queen shot him under the car door which is killed the fed you know doing what we all can't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do like that she specifically like shoots him under the car hood, like with the parody. Yeah, <laughs> forgot parody. to say. Parody. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a really nice review because he's he's holding the gun above the car roof, and that's like the only shot that we see. And then suddenly a gun goes off, and it's because she's holding it under the the car door or under the the roof where you can't see it. Um, she also has a very funny line where he's he's complaining about like, oh, you can't keep doing this, you know, blah 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 blah, blah. and she says, "Shut up, or I'll bite your tongue off." And I love that very very girl boss um then the ending happens and it's like god damn it why'd yeah. you do that um i do like the kind of politicking uh that that goes on after mm -hmm. um nine turns himself in uh that like you know there's like hand wringing from like government officials is like you know oh can we really negotiate with a terrorist and like what if things go go wrong or whatever and um uh i think the police chief has to be like you know, like trust me on this or whatever but it's just like you know like of course like threat of an atomic bomb going up and they're like oh well can we really negotiate with the terrorist or whatever it's like it's not like his demands are that insane he just wants to like you know, be on tv um 
the other thing I wanted I to bring up is um oh, sorry, did you have something about that? Well, uh speaking of the the chief, um he, his I can't remember the context, but he does something with uh Shibazaki at the end where I think it's like where are they talking about where the press conference is going to be? Where Shiba, like he's like, oh, you didn't, you just accidentally picked up the 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 information about the press conference, didn't you, Shibazaki? And it's like, oh, even when Shibazaki is like, you know, suspended and and all that, the chief is still like trusting that he's kind of the best option that they all have, who because he can kind of operate outside of the system and all that. So I really like his, his Shibazaki and the chief's rapport with each other. Yeah. Um. Is also another uh, similar moment um, with like the politicking that I like of um, uh, they're kind of they're they're telling the Americans what their plan is that they're gonna allow like uh, nine to do the press conference he wants to do, and someone's telling Special Agent Clarence this over the phone, and I'll read his lines. He says, "You're saying you'll comply with the demands of a terrorist, but you will not accommodate the wishes of the American government." <laughs> it's like hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. It's like it's good, and like the face he makes, he's just like genuinely like shocked that they wouldn't just like bend mm. to the the will of the American government. It's good. Um, okay, now I feel like we need to talk about who I referred to in my notes as uh, Topsy Kretz, mainly because I couldn't remember the name of <laughs> what's his face from Eden, because um, that's who this reminded me of, the old man. Um, what's the Eden character's name? Did either of you remember? Oh, uh, Sato. Yeah, but what? But what's his like fake name? Where it's like it's very Alto Sido. Yeah, outside. Yeah, Mister Mister Outside. Alto Sido. The so like the the evil old guy that Shimazaki meets in this episode reminded me of him. But it's like where like Eden is a show that's like not all the way sold. That like Mister Outside is like unequivocally a horrible human being. Um, uh, this show is like unafraid to like show this man as like completely monstrous which it's like it's a bit cartoony and uh like you know the way he literally looks like a little goblin man uh in his like bed uh, <laughs> it's um you know like i said cartoony but um it's good to just like be like you know the bad guys in the show are unequivocally the bad guys kind of thing um mm -hmm. i i can appreciate that um, yeah and you know there, there's not even like a oh well, he's kind of making a good point kind of thing there is no like any sort of Aquila, uh, or, um, oh fuck! It does. It, it does not compromise at all. Where it's like, oh, he had, like, he wanted to revitalize the nation's morale. What a good goal! He just went through the the whole, you know, abusing children to get there. No, it is absolutely unequivocally fuck this guy. He's a little corpse goblin man. Love it. Love that kind of not giving any quarter to to his his goals. Mm -hmm. It's refreshing after yeah. Eden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just... And I like the fact that, um, you know, you have the presence of the American government in the story to kind of show, like, what the end goal of what these people in power in Japan kind of want in the show is, like, they just want to be, like, the American government in the show, which is, like, you know, uh, monstrous in all the ways the actual American government is, right? Like, they're just meddling with the affairs of other nations and not really giving a... Um, you know, a damn about uh, collateral damage and uh, harm along the way. Um, uh, I think all that stuff could be fleshed out a lot more, and we'll get to some of that in, in the last episode, but it's nice that that stuff is there, and it's not just, like, pushed to the background, or it's not, like, you know, wishy-washy in the way that Eden is, like, <laughs> at all times. It's just, like, not wanting to commit to saying anything too strongly. Um, it's good. Um, here's a question. Uh, 
Does anyone remember what uh, Lisa and uh, 12 are up to in this episode before the car chase? Uh, <laughs> I only know this because I wrote down another note about me thinking about Eden of the East. They go to an amusement park for reasons. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but it reminded me. Oh, of... I remember being really confused because I thought the Ferris wheel was at the amusement park. Yeah, but it's like a different place. Yeah, I don't know. They oh, literally God. just stand around for the first half of the episode until like twelve like throws his uh motorcycle keys up in the air and then cut to it's night and chase scene and then he shows up eventually. Very mm-hmm. strange. It's like they just, the writers just had no idea what to do with these characters while the rest of the plot was happening. I just thought that was funny. Um, Which I do like how uh, 12 stops the chase. He's like, throws a hand grenade. It's like, okay, that that makes more sense than the truck crash that they do in Eden, where the wheels just (laughs) fucking fly off for no reason. (laughs) Oh my god. I can't believe that show is what it is. (laughs) Oh my god. Insane. Anyway, are we uh, are we done with uh, again? Checks notes. Helter skelter. <laughs> Ready to move on. To this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, my my biggest takeaway at the very end of this episode. My last note is it does feel like a master plan coming together in terms of like nine and 12's plot. Like it def- it definitely feels like a combination of everything. Uh, so I I rode that high into the the last episode, which I I did watch all these episodes back to back to back. So. Has kinda... somebody made an edit of the all accordy to kick uh. you? But with... <laughs> oh gosh. But with a nine instead of light. That would be good. <laughs> um, all right then. Well, episode 11 is called Vaughn. Uh, following nine's announcement of the atomic bomb, Tokyo's population begins to evacuate. Lisa encounters a severely injured 12 who collapses. Shibazaki reminds Hamura that Sphinx has killed no one and receives confirmation from his daughter Haruka that the bomb could explode in the stratosphere without causing fatalities. However, an electromagnetic pulse from the explosion would essentially black out the country and disable any airplanes uh, still flying. Um, All flights are ordered to land and uh, fighter jets are dispatched to intercept the bomb, uh, but it has risen... Yeah, but it has risen too high. The bomb has risen too high. Um, 12 regains consciousness and tells 12 that he and 9 were always alone. The atomic bomb detonates. uh, The city is plunged into darkness. Uh, it is followed by an aurora uh, illuminating the sky formed by the radiation from the blast. The following day, Nine sets up uh, makeshift grave markers for the Athena Project children at the settlement. He is joined by Twelve and Lisa, and the three then spend an enjoyable day together. Uh, as night falls, uh, they are approached by Shibazaki, who promises that the Project Athena will be exposed. Minutes later, uh, the U.S. government uh, a helicopter arrives, and uh, Nine withdraws a detonator and threatens to explode another atomic bomb. Under orders given from their supervisor to keep the American government's involvement in the investigation a secret, the soldiers open fire and kill 12. Shibazaki shields Nine uh, and promises that Sphinx will be remembered. Nine surrenders the detonator, then abruptly dies from the same affliction which killed five. Uh, one year later, Project Athena is exposed, leaving the Japanese government under media scrutiny. Lisa encounters Shibazaki at the graves of Nine, Twelve, Five, and other Project Athena children. Lisa reveals that Nine used to listen to Icelandic music, and that Vaughn is the Icelandic word for hope. There we go. Um, speaking of Call of Duty Modern Warfare... <laughs> We get a we get an EMP <laughs> yeah, in this one. Yeah. Um. My thoughts in this episode is wow. This is like a really constructed 
like a really well constructed final episode if only i cared about the characters at this point <laughs> mm. yeah i did um i i got the a lot of uh ava 2.0 vibes in the like when they are just like enjoying themselves at the the aquarium scene i like that part i i was a little more invested in the characters i think um at least 9 and 12 uh versus like lisa who i could not really give a shit about but um I really liked the the scene where the bomb blew up. That was a good scene. Very beautiful, I thought. I liked the first half of this episode and then was a little bit surprised that they even did the second half of this episode. It feels like a plot that needed to wrap up like during and immediately following these events and not let's let us have a bit of an interlude where they just go to the settlement and like spend the day skipping rocks and listen to listening to Icelandic music, I guess. Um, <laughs> it just it especially didn't feel earned because, like, I think for what the show is doing, like ninety percent of the runtime, nine and twelve are characterized as much as they need to be because they're just like you know, like um, not pawns, but they're just like players in this this game of cat and mouse that they're playing with, like the police, mm-hmm. and then eventually with five and all that. Like they don't really need much going on with their characters. But to have, like, the scenes at the end of the show, like, really resonate, like, I do need to care about them more. And we get, like, the scene in this one where, like, you know, 12 is like, oh, yeah, we were always alone and stuff like that. But it really feels, like, so last minute that it's, like, doesn't give me time to, like, hold on to that thought. Uh, We just don't get the two of them really vocalizing, like, how they think or feel about the world or their place in the world other than the actions they do. And it's just, like, it's, it's, it's nothing that warrants, like, the kind of, like emotional space the show is trying to take you to at the end it just it didn't really work for me what did work for me is the final standoff of like you know u.s helicopters blaring and the sniper trained on on them like that stuff's all like classic action movie shit um it's good uh but i don't think we needed like any of the stuff uh before it necessarily it just it kind of it really fell flat for me in a way that like, i was expecting a better climax given the like 10 episodes that came before I don't know. I, I kind of liked that they had the chance to be children, even if for a little bit. Like the idea that their entire lives they <clears throat> have been more or less training towards. You know, they were abused, and then they they spent however long just kind of vibing by themselves, planning this master plan or whatever. I liked that they finally had a chance to um, be children and be like actually enjoy each other's company. I do think, yeah, it, it would have been better reinforced if they at least... I mean, you could kind of infer that they don't like the fact that they were experimented on and all that, but, like, I don't know. I, I do wish that they had a little more exploration of... Especially from Nine's perspective of, like, his life, you know, being taken away from him from a young age kind of thing. Um, so I, I liked that angle, but I, I do agree that it wasn't set up in a way that it's like, oh, finally... They can be, you know, a la Ava 2.0 or, or I guess 4.0 to an extent where it's like, oh, they can finally be at ease even for a little bit. They, they can just act like children because they are children. Good. But it doesn't have that kind of emotional core up to that point because up to that point, they're just kind of super soldiers on a mission kind of thing. Yeah, I just needed like any vocalization of like a desire to lead a normal life or like any sort of like lament of the fact that they they've had their lives robbed from them or something like that Mm -hmm. or even just like 
another moment like this early in the show where they do, you know, like maybe instead of Lisa being a punching bag, she actually can cook and maybe the three of them like enjoy a nice meal that gets like, you know, cut short because of Five's bomb threat or whatever, you know, like something else to kind of reinforce like, oh, this is what like they're mi- they've been missing their whole life kind of thing. And it's just it, I don't think it's the the co- climax that fits the rest of the show. Um, I think I think it needed more more work if or I think the first 10 episodes needed to be a bit different if this is the climax they were trying to build towards. Yeah, I agree. Swap out Lisa with uh, Himari from Penguin Drum, and then we can start getting somewhere. <laughs> Honestly, yes. If we had had like, some of the curry scenes from like, Penguin Drum in here, uh, this ending would have worked uh, a lot better. Um, I do like that there's... like uh, I wrote Charlie Chaplin skit in my notes, but I guess it's maybe kind of like a peanut skit or whatever, of like they're playing some kind of ball game or whatever, and like I forget who it is, but one of them is like having... Really, I think it's... I think it's Lisa. She's having trouble keeping up with nine and 12 because, you know, they're boy geniuses or whatever. And that's like mm-hmm. loaded in its own way. But I was like, it's very funny that it's just, you just got like a very slapstick comedy scene in, in the middle of this episode. Um, yeah. I made a note saying, like, God damn it. Why is Lisa me when it comes to sports? Because she, yeah, she like kicks a soccer ball and it like goes right above, like it goes backwards because she kicks it, you know, on the wrong part of her foot. And it's like, yeah, God damn it. That's. I've never felt more seen. But then, yeah, the uh, the U.S. government... So Shibazaki shows up and is like, hey, you're under arrest uh, in a a very cool moment where, you know, he pulls a gun out and uh, 12 is like, by the way, she's just a hostage. Please make sure she's safe, sort of thing. And then the U.S. government just shows up being no good, uh, saying, uh, you know, if, if this was subtitled, you could have bracketed it with, like, the unintelligible uh subtitle because i have no fucking clue what they said um and yeah 12 dies and then i guess i kind of don't like that uh via nine and five uh specifically that it's like oh they're gonna die no matter what i don't know i don't like that i wish they that they both were shot or something instead of just being like oh yeah they were predetermined to die no matter what so their their emotional release of being able to play uh soccer with each other and listen to Sigur Ross is kind of like soured by the fact that they were going to die no matter what. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a little weird too cuz like, you know, I guess 5 is our key to understanding that like oh, uh 9 and 12's days are are probably numbered. Um but they don't really show too many signs of like the same kind of deteriorating health that mm-hmm. uh, that 5 has in a way that I thought it was intentional. I thought it was like okay, Nine and twelve escaped, whereas five like stayed in the settlement. So she probably got experimented on much more, and that's why like she's having all these like adverse uh, adverse health effects. Uh, but mm-hmm. apparently, no. Apparently, they're all just like that. It felt very um, again like a lot of other things I had issues with. Like just didn't feel set up very well. Um, yeah, I did like that. Uh, after he dies, they they have a cut of three birds flying away. It's like mm-hmm. oh. I see what you did there. I do really like, I mean, like, I don't, it's fine that they die in the end, I guess. Um, I guess maybe I just wanted to be in service of a bit more, but I do really like the uh, scene of um, Nine crying over Twelve's body. Um, very mm, good mm-hmm. performance from the voice actor. Very good uh, animation. Yeah, and that's the first time you see the entire entire thing, really, other than, like, the lip biting in uh, episode six uh, or seven. Um, it's like the only time that he really like shows 
overt emotions and it's like yeah good job Mm -hmm. and then it's not really yeah like you said it's not really in service of anything unfortunately to uh jump back a bit to the beginning of this episode um a couple of small things i really liked uh really good pov shot of or i guess like um of the uh, like cockpit of the jet fighters where you can see like the reflection of kind of like the heads-up display um Mm. i thought was really good and then also uh another thing that i had notes sporadically throughout um these episodes uh but really stood out here um the shot of the nuke going off in space and the way the explosion kind of like um uh gives like uh the like japan um kind of like a red hue from like a like aerial view out from space really striking use of color um and i think in general the use of color is really good in the show where kind of the predominant like color palette is much more like hewing towards like grays and neutral tones so that when there is like an expressive use of color like that it really stands out um i i particularly like it but i could i could see someone might think it's a bit drab at times but it kind of like it reminds me of like kind of the vibe that like eden seemed like it was going for as well just executed way better you know Mm. i guess like in comparison this made me understand the visual tone that eden was going for i don't know if i would have like gotten it at the time but like oh i see what you're going for kind of like a you know naturalistic uh kind of look and kind of dry look to things and then you know you can when things are expressive they're very expressive uh, that was good and then same thing with like the uh aurora borealis localized entirely within <laughs> the country of japan uh, yeah i really cool. like that scene in general just like the you know uh nine goes to like tokyo tower i guess and just goes up all the way to the top puts in his headphones and and watches the 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 bomb go off and i I really liked how they depicted the atomic bomb detonating like it was it you felt like how fucking terrifying these atomic weapons are you know especially in a anime that has touched on the after effects of uh the bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki like it 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 felt very powerful both literally and kind of emotionally seeing this you know weapon going off and then all of the 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 electricity going out which uh quick point uh means everyone in the hospital is probably dead now but um yeah it's like oh we didn't kill anyone like oh well <laughs> yeah definitely like a you know not a non-violent thing to um <laughs> set off an emp <laughs> uh i did really like the detail um goes completely on mark upon like you could totally miss it i think but like so the timer that's on nine's um phone it's not for the bomb going off it's for the blackout like it's it's like the bomb goes off and his timer is still ticking and the timer hits zero the second his phone goes off because like the uh magnetic pulse has like reached tokyo i thought that was like like i have no idea how you would possibly (laughs) time it that way um but i thought that was like a a cool detail and i'd also like him um setting his analog watch like as he's watching the timer on his phone tick down um Mm. i think that's cool all right well i think i got two other things i want to mention (laughs) first is the the i think the last yeah the last all caps note i have uh, which is okay so uh nine says to shibazaki when he like goes to meet them at the uh complex or whatever uh you shibazaki were our oedipus <laughs> i wrote an all caps oh yeah real. oh my god i i like spat when i uh-huh. heard that it was like the real shibazaki, oedipus was the friends we mom. made along the way oh my god 
Especially because they hadn't mentioned Oedipus since like episode three or four or something. No. It's like, oh. Like the, God the damn, last bringing it back, huh? The last riddle that Sphinx actually gives them is in episode five, and then like the fake riddle that five gives them has like nothing to do with Oedipus. Um very Yeah, see with Caesar, yeah. Yeah, it's very funny that they threw that in there. Um but I guess I do like their conversation where it's like, um, you know, like, hey, you were essentially part of the plan as well. Like, we needed somebody on the other side that could, like, see through what we were doing or whatever. Like, that stuff all works for me. Uh, and then I guess the other thing to mention is the uh, the Iceland uh, connection where it all loops back around. We we mentioned last time that Watanabe said he was specifically influenced by, like, Sigur Rós and, and Iceland and making the show. Uh Turns out, uh, Vaughn, the word they like spray paint in the first episode and kind of comes up a few other times, is the Icelandic word for hope. So that brings it all together, which I feel, unless you knew Watanabe had all that in mind in the show, would be a very strange thing to learn at the end of the show. Be like, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> why the Icelandic word for hope? Why not any other word for hope? Um, and I guess the, the music from A Cold Land that Nine listens to is icelandic music because sure why not yeah and i i did just check uh it is actually the word in icelandic i was like man it'd be really fucking funny <laughs> if if it wasn't actually and they just like made it up but yeah no it is um and uh yeah it uh i, I like icelandic music so i'm i'm glad it's in there i i mean I, by which i mean i like sigur ross so i like <laughs> that kind of music which seems to exclusively come out of iceland but um yeah, no, uh, very strange. Um, I I don't remember how it's phrased at the very end also, where, like, so there's, like, a time cut to, like, a year later, and Lisa's like, yeah, at first I didn't want to talk about it, but then, like, I decided to talk about it, and then, did she say something about forgetting what happened? I don't even remember. Like, where I she's like, eventually I, I forgot, you know, something, she forgot something. What did she forget? I don't remember. I think she has one of those things where it's like, you know, like, oh, it was such a whirlwind of events. It feels like it didn't really happen or, or something like that. I think it's maybe okay, what she's yeah. all about. Um, mm. uh, I think I, I was hoping for more of like a kind, kind of closure on Shibazaki than what we got, but uh, I'm not like disappointed, I guess. I think the, the stuff with like the Project Athena or whatever, like finally coming to light and all that wraps up like maybe a little bit too cleanly, but it, it's fine. Um, yeah, well, especially because the the shot immediately before that is the U.S. government like absolving themselves yeah. or or removing themselves from the situation. Like, you think there'd be something similar with the the Japanese government, but it's like, nope. the The U.S. government really did just kind of Houdini <laughs> their way out, their way out of there. But whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I got. I had a fun time. Yeah. This one. Yeah. Overall, uh, you know, I I. The height was definitely episode seven, and I definitely enjoyed that in a very similar way as like ping pong, like that kind of level of like, oh my god, yeah, like this is you know really really fucking good, and I and I liked it a lot. But um, uh, it's just it's just rife with uh, problems, especially towards the end. Like you know, the first few the first five episodes sets up a lot, and um, I think we all were kind of like, yeah, I'm really interested to see where they go with this, and uh and then uh you, you kind of are like oh you know i think you even said like you know they're, they're setting up lisa in a way that i could see going really really well or really really poorly and unfortunately uh it went really really poorly towards the end um 
or at the very least, if you want to be a, a very generous, uh, it was uninteresting towards the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the plot focused, weirdly enough, too much on, like, the bomb, and the characters kind of fell by the wayside, I think, um, in a way that then kind of robbed the, the, the emotional impact at the end. Yeah, definitely trying to do a little bit too much by the end that it, it didn't really do all the necessary setup for. Um, but it was a fun mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah. All right. Um, well, I guess we'll, uh, we, well, I'll say this now, uh, no questions this time, but if you would like to send us questions, you can DM us on Twitter at under the Kotatsu, or you can email us, uh, uh, at, uh, under at gmail.com. Send us any questions about anime we've watched anime in general, or literally anything, uh, we'll answer it. Um, but I guess we'll talk about, uh, what anime we've watched besides Terra Resonance. Uh, Quick note, though, uh, Danielle had to step out. She's not feeling well, so me and Danny closing this one out. Uh, Danny, mm. what, uh, what anime have you been watching? Um, so in terms of watching, uh, I finished up my rewatch of Ping Pong. You know, needs no explanation of how good that was. Um, just uh, the, the pinnacle of, of uh, animation. Uh, the, I think you, you said in our uh, Discord, uh, the, the platonic ideal of animation, yeah. of anime. Uh, definitely um and then i haven't been watching as much but i did finally get um you know like finally like the the delivery was not delayed it just finally came out um uh, nagata kabi's uh my wandering warrior experience which is her fourth manga um you know so her first one was no uh fifth fifth one actually because there was my lesbian experience with loneliness my solo exchange diary volume one and two um my alcoholic experience with loneliness i think or my alcoholic escape um and then this uh, more recent one uh which is very good i liked it a lot um very kind of profound things that uh she talks about in terms of like her gender and sexuality in ways that i was like wow this is something that you know really crystallizes a lot of my thoughts that i that i've been having and kind of contextualize them in, in, in the way that it's like wow like i feel seen and i feel like, this is someone who, you know, obviously I'm not, like, parasocial about it and not like, oh, this is me. But I, I can identify with a lot of the struggles that she goes through um, in a way that uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting to read these stories as, as time goes on. And it's like, wow, um, I really hope the best for her. <laughs> like, you know, again, not in a parasocial way where I'm, you know, but like, you know, you, you get genuinely uh, invested in her struggles and and you really do hope the best for her and yeah it's i don't want to spoil anything in it for anyone who wants to wants to read it um i definitely recommend all of her books um and yeah that's more or less what i've been uh reading and watching right now it kind of been a slow two weeks for me nice i always hear good things about those books um well i am all the way on my bullshit i'm realizing looking at this <laughs> list i have um <laughs> Uh, I'm watching more Gundam Seed Destiny, more Voltes Five. Um, uh, real um, shot chaser, chaser there in terms of Seed Destiny. I don't think it's quite hit as low of a point as, as Seed did. It'll probably get there. I'm like 17 episodes in. Um, uh, I'm just grateful that uh, I guess slight spoilers for Seed. One of I wouldn't say favorite because he's got some issues in terms of how he's written. But one of the more fun characters in Seed uh, dies early on and then comes back at the end of that show. And he's kind of like a principal character in Seed Destiny. Um, and I find his presence very enjoyable. He's obsessed with making coffee. Uh, he's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that's keeping me going there uh, that Voltus 5 just fucking rules um uh just watched an episode of that where they really like lay out a large stretch of like plot for the foreseeable future that show in a way that just fucking whips Voltus 5 is great if you're into like super robot stuff and 70s animation highly recommend it it's, it's a good time um and it's it's unrelated to gundam correct Yes, um, it's part of the uh, romance trilogy of mecha anime, which are three unrelated mecha anime, but they're all from like the same director, uh, made a year apart. Mm. Um, they're kind of credited as like when mecha anime starts to have like more serious like plot lines and characters, um, which is kind of true, um, but it's good. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, and then the year of Lupin continues. I watched. Um, Lupin the Third missed by a dollar last night, which is uh, one of the many television specials they do every year uh, for Lupin. Uh, it's from the year 2000. It's the last one they made uh, with traditional like cell animation, um, and it looks fucking gorgeous. And uh, kind of what you want out of one of those TV specials. It's very funny. The action's all really good. It's got like a fun kind of cast of characters that are like specific to that movie, um, and kind of like all of the the core Lupin characters from Lupin through Zenigata and Jigen and Goemon and Fujiko, all of them kind of get good moments and good moments with one another, which is kind of all you want from, from Lupin. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. And uh, then I've, I've, I've still been keeping up with uh, the most recent Lupin TV series, which is part six. It's coming to a close. Um, so I'll be able to report on how that ended next episode, I think. Um, but one of the episodes that uh, premiered in the last two weeks, uh, episode 21 specific, if you want to check it out. Uh, genuinely one of the best Lupin episodes um, of these more recent uh, TV series. Just kind of a fun one-off episode where they're all stranded in a town where there's not much to do. And like, uh, there's this girl that's kind of got like, you know, like big dreams of like living a more exciting life than she leaves in this town. And she's like following the Lupin characters around and imagining them as like, kind of like all the men is kind of like, uh, suitors for Fujiko. Uh, it just invents this wild plot where they're all trying to propose their love to her and they all get caught up <laughs> in this. And it's it's a really good time. It's kind of, again, exactly what you want from like a one-off Lupin episode. Um, very fun. Uh, and then not strictly anime, but I mean, Tokusatsu's basically anime. Um, new Sentai series just started called uh, Avatar Sentai Dawn Brothers, uh, which I fell off the last Sentai series. Not because I didn't like it, just I, I just didn't have time to keep up with it and then i was too behind to want to get caught up um but this one's kind of a, a sequel to the last one uh, which was zen kaiger and it's just a whole lot of fun um if people are looking to get into a sentai show haven't watched one in a while or just want to see what one's like this one's like really fun uh it's got some wacky cgi in it too which some people are turned off by i just think it's fun um uh but i also mention it because uh ties into the anime i'm picking in a weird way um so next time's my pick um not a tokusatsu show, but a anime that is uh, kind of loosely based off of a tokusatsu show. We're going to be watching uh, SSSS Gridman. If you don't know, oh Hi God. Hyper Agent Gridman is a 90s toku show that SSS Gridman is kind of a, a send-up of. Um, I've watched the first episode of it back when it was on, uh, when it was airing, and just never got around to finishing it. So I figured it would be a fun opportunity to finish it. Um, I believe you haven't seen it, right, Danny? I have not. Okay, and I'm pretty sure she's not here to correct me. I'm pretty sure Danielle either hasn't or is also like me and watched like maybe a couple of episodes and then fell off um, while it was airing. Uh, so it'll be cool if we all haven't seen this. I picked it because I hadn't seen it. 
Um, I didn't want to pick something I was already familiar with. Um, but look uh, forward to that fun next fact. time. What's the fun fact? F- fun fact. Uh, so fun fact about it is because uh, I was looking at the the cast listing for um, uh, Terran Resonance. Uh, one of the characters in Terran Resonance, uh, specifically Shibazaki's daughter, is voiced by Rena Ueda, who is Akane Shinjo in SSSS Gridman. Uh-huh. I do not know if that's a main character or a or a minor character. I have no idea. I believe that uh, is a main character. It is. Oh, looking at the uh, character list for SSSS Gridman, uh, it is one of the antagonists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do not know anything else because I did not want to look into it. But um, yeah, no, I'm very excited to 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 try something new. Same. I also didn't realize, or I, I realized this after after I picked it, not before. Uh, or while I was thinking about it, uh, it'll be the first um, like trigger animated uh, show we've watched. Studio Trigger being oh. kind of very popular uh, in the West here, um, so that'll give us something kind of new to to deep dive on. Um, but yeah, look forward to that next time. It's twelve episodes long, so next time we'll watch episodes one through six, and then the th- uh, preceding episode we'll watch um, seven through twelve. So it'll be an easy split mm. on that one. And what's the um, by the way? What's the is it the tokusatsu you were describing the one that has people playing ping pong but they are like do you know what i'm talking about you posted things on twitter oh um that's from uh dawn brothers which is the oh, okay the sentai show i shouted out yeah if you want okay, gotcha. <laughs> if you want to see some good dawn brothers stuff i i i clipped a very fun scene uh on my mm-hmm. twitter if you want to check that out um which if you want to see that you can find me on twitter at chai underscore squared where can people find you danny can find me at cover me in sauce on twitter nice and people can find uh danielle at uh les bunny with one end aka the correct way to spell bunny um <laughs> uh, b-u-n-y not b-n-u-y i guess if people are not clear on that because um, <laughs> i guess that's another good way to spell bunny um all right i guess i have to take us out of here now um Ooh. oh boy uh <laughs> i don't know how she does it on the fly Maybe, maybe she thinks about it all episode. <laughs> I should have been preparing. Um, oh, man, I don't know. Uh, this podcast just is never going to end now, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, uh, hmm. Trying to think of like a snappy thing, because there's a lot of uh, like, like, oh, Shinsiro Watanabe, please learn how to uh, write women. Um, uh, oh, I got it. I got it. Oh, okay. Uh, B crimes, do gay. Happy birthday, happy belated birthday, Yoko Kano.